0: Hello, you're very welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of LOI Weekly. It is Dan here presenting this week. Johnny Ward, as you might have guessed, is off in Cheltenham, possibly never to return. If you are listening to this on Wednesday afternoon, and after Wednesday afternoon, shall we say, and Sam Crow hasn't won the first race to Cheltenham then this could be the end of Johnny Ward. <laughs> uh, we, will have him, we, have, we will have a little contribution from Johnny later on. He has sent us uh, a little video message or an audio message, sorry, just to let us know how he's keeping. But uh, we will have to plow on without him. In his absence, we've got good replacements, of course. Des Curran, Air Sports Des Curran is here. Thank how, you. How are you, Des? I'm good, I'm good. Knee surgery coming later this week. <laughs> We've been talking about this off-air uh, in, a, in a manner that's been really boring to the other people yes, in the room, but you've yes. got knee surgery coming.
1: I do, Friday, Friday morning, bright and early. Crucial. I finally have a proper footballer's injury after all these years. It's yeah. going to improve.
0: I haven't been there, it will improve the quality of small talk you have with injured footballers <laughs> to a level that you, you just can't quite understand. But
1: well, The word retirement has been bandied about quite a bit, but I'm not having that. I'll, I'll be back for 2019 season, definitely.
0: Good stuff. And, and listening to our war stories here, slightly horror, horrified, as we've got Dan Casey from uh, from Bowes. Your first time on the show, Dan, and thanks for coming in this morning. No, no problem. Much appreciated. You were, you've had a... I suppose a, a busy couple of days, like every player in the league, with a, a double header round the fixtures. You were in Waterford last night, home to Pats on Friday, two for straight and one 0 defeats. How would you sort of sum up the weekend's work?
2: Uh, it's been hard to take, just for the team and myself. Uh, obviously, one nils aren't nice, nice to obviously lose to. That's a terrible scoreline and I think we've we've done well in games as well. That's been pretty annoying. I think it's just been silly goals we see conceded and. I think we've started to play a bit more when we went one down, which isn't good enough. So I think we sort of need to improve on that. And hopefully we can turn around as quick as possible and get a win.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a sort of a hectic schedule for all the players in the league, isn't it? That you don't you don't really have much time to dwell on a bad result, though. That you're straight back into it and preparing for another game straight away.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's a good thing. It's If you have a bad game, there's a game a couple of days later when you can put it right. Which is obviously very good and... Uh, it's tough though for the other lads as well when you've got games coming in Friday Monday and it's not much time to recover as well so that's tough but it's it really shows if you've got it's important to have a good squad which we, luckily we have and everyone else everyone's playing playing their part. We're
0: going to we will have a chat to you later on I guess about your journey to Bowes and your you know your your years at Sunderland and so on but. I guess before we move into that, we are going to review what has been a, a pretty hectic, as I mentioned, sort of round of fixtures. We've had a full round on Friday. We will run through just the results for people who may have been missing them there. We had Dundalks 1 0 went over Cork on Friday. Bowes, as we mentioned, losing a home to St. Pat's, Shamrock Rovers 6, Derry 1, Limerick 1, Bray nil. and Sligo Rovers 1, Informed Waterford 2. And then last night, Monday, as we were speaking here on Tuesday, it was Bray. At home to Sligo, losing 2 1 in front of an extremely small crowd at the Carlisle Grounds. Bray are really bringing a lot to the league this year. We've got Cork 1 0 win at home to Shamrock Rovers in front of 4,500 people on the Monday night, which is exceptional. Uh, Derry, the new Brandywell, will have a bit of Kenny Shields audio later on, 5 0 at home to Limerick. Watford, as we mentioned, um, registering one nil win at home to Bowes, and then St Pat's nil Dundalk nil. Now, there's you've been at both Dundalk games over the last couple of days. Um, maybe start initially with 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 the Cork game on Friday. Yeah. We'll move on to Pat's then. Um, I wasn't there. I was following it from afar. Um, But it looked like a sort of feisty old affair. And you could see by the celebrations of full time, it it really meant something.
1: Yeah, I think pre-match and post-match with Dundalk was telling. As you said, the celebrations at the end, they came right the way over to underneath us. So we were up in the gantry. Um, And it was like a game, a meaningful game at the end of a season rather than the start of a season. That's what it came across like. But I think what what sort of um, nudged us in in the direction of what Dundalk would do that night with Stephen Kenny pre-match Um, he did his pre-match interview, he came out, and you you know, you see him every now and then before a big game and, you know, there's emotion in the interview and not alone did he mention that the team were ready, he said the town was ready for this and I think that showed as well the crowd were fantastic and I think even before, and I know they scored in four minutes in, something like that, I think even before that, the first few minutes before that, there was a real intensity, almost like a controlled frenzy about them and straight from that, and I think once Cork had conceded the goal then, as good and all as they are, I think it's hard to If you don't start at that same level, I think it's hard to get to that level then to match them. And the problem Cork has was Dundalk had that level for the full 90 minutes. It was as good a performance as we've seen from them in a while.
0: It's, it, it, as a commentator, what type of venue is it to visit Oriel Park when it's lively? Uh, I, I gather, I, I get, I've heard a couple of tales from air uh, employees that it can be <laughs> one of the more interesting venues to visit. It is. It, uh, it's
1: great. I mean, like you know, we got to know everyone around Dundalk quite well doing the European Games with them. So we're rele- we're we're always welcomed up there. And the gantry is a, the gantry is an interesting place. Um, there's a, a group of fans below it who enjoy their night, shall we say. So you get the sense of that coming up into the gantry. Um, but, but the atmosphere, the last set now, you know, you know, you have the headset on and um, you don't always get it at, at a lot of grounds, but when you have the hardcore Dog fans below you, the noise they were making as soon as the teams come into the tunnel, that myself, Pat fenlan was with me. We were sort of turning down the effects in our ears, but it made no difference. It was that loud. Um, it, w- it was incredible. Um, and I just think, I, I think that night... It was, a, it was a very important game for Dundalk. I think you know all, the, all that had gone on and Cork had had the better of them in cup finals and President's Cup and league games. There was definitely, I think, more on it for Dundalk. Cork came away knowing they never got going. Part of that was down to them. Part of that was down to Dundalk as well. And I think when you got 20 minutes into a game and there's no Alan Bennett and Conor McCormick has taken off, two of the leaders in the team and you're 1-0 down and Dundalk are coming at you... You know, it was going to be a long night for Cork, I think.
0: And I think it shows, though, as well, the full-time reaction that as much as players will say the right things and they're not going to read too much into the results, the previous seven results against Cork, it must have really hurt them. You could see in that response that that release, it, it, it sort of showed more than any words could, really, in terms of how they feel about it, that Cork have probably gotten to their heads a small bit. Yeah, I think so. And, and you could see that in the that release at the end.
1: Yeah, it was it, like I said, it was like a game at the end of the season that there was a lot more on than three points early stages of a season. I mean, when you think of it, if Cork had won that game, I think they had gone seven points clear as it was, Dundalk were able to cut it back to a single point and it brings everyone quite nice and tight at the top and Waterford were probably quite happy with the result as well. Um, they've had a great start. I, I think then, just just looking ahead, I, I don't know if you want to talk about the Pats game yeah. now or if we'll hold on Yeah, to no, it. I
0: think we'll, we'll we'll reflect on the Pats game in a second because it was a, a nil-all. I was there as well, Des. It was a sort of a a hard-fought contest where I think at full time the Pats fans yeah. let off a sort of a guttural roar which suggested that they were very happy with the result from speaking to Stephen Kenny afterwards you could tell that he maybe wasn't but I did catch up with the St Patrick's goalkeeper Barry Murphy after the game just to get his views on on their evening's work
3: It's really hard for us, I think especially with the, the game on Friday and the, the short turnaround period obviously there's, there's only a few days in between you're probably coming into a rest day normally during the week but We've had two kind of house log games and it was a big game and big three points on Friday and you kinda of had to back that up with a decent performance tonight and obviously you knew it wasn't going to be pretty Fitch isn't great but we just dug in there and
0: got the point. Just how hectic is this period of season for players? I think you're into a sort of five games in a thirteen days or something like that. Just in terms of rest recovery, I don't know, maybe it's a different for a goalkeeper, but yeah. it's the same principle I guess, applies in yeah, terms of the schedule.
3: It's tough because you're going home on a game on Friday night and you're probably not getting to bed till three, four in the morning and then way we're doing it at the moment, we've a rest day the next day, but you're still kind of knackered after the, the Friday night game, so you're in for training on the Sunday and back in Monday morning, so you're just doing bike, it's basically just a, a recovery day all the way up to match day, so you're per, pretty much just getting back to 100% by kick-off on the, on the day of the match, but um, so that would usually be a Wednesday, kind of, after a match, that kind of scenario, where we'd be taking our rest days, but we just don't have them anymore, really, it's just kind of active recovery, but as with the goalkeeper as well, it's kind of more of a mental side, and... It is tiring, but it's no excuse We've obviously got a decent win on, on Friday and a back-to-back as well.
0: How would you assess the overall start to the campaign then, in terms of the work so far?
3: Um, it's a kind of been mixed. I think we kind of we struggled. I think in the first game and kind of. But for the fact that a man sent off, I think we would have struggled in the game. But we obviously came into a little bit with passing, and then there was a, a kind of slip at the end and, and lost the points. We could have, we should have taken a point out that game really. And then going down to Waterford, we just didn't play ourselves well at all. We didn't, we didn't adapt to the long balls and the, the second balls, and and we, we thoroughly deserved to lose down there. And but the other I, I think we played well and Bowes and obviously picked up a good result against tonight. So it's kind of a mixed bag. But I think we're on the up now. We're obviously a lot
0: wider at the back, which is a great right platform to start off at a point and, and then try and mix up the new event. Then you mentioned. About the mental side, you mentioned a slip the first night. Is yeah. that something that eats you up at this stage, where you're experienced keeper? Or do you do you just know how to, to deal with that and just park it? Yeah, I don't know why it's
3: getting worse or easier, but um, yeah, no, it's just it's just a matter of it. it's a, it's the first goal and it's a slip, it's a slip, it's a slip, you know, it's if it happens to a striker, nothing solid. But you're coming out and it goes straight in. It's just within your grasp. It's kind of infuriating, especially when we were going to get a point. out. was probably going to get a point if not more out but so I've picked myself back up now and I've done well the last couple of games and, and kind of as a team we've, we've defended better on set pieces and look at track on forward
0: i so just ask you about the, the two centre halves um, Kevin and obviously coming into the league and Lee who's been versatile and played a few positions you've had a fair few partnerships and players <laughs> yeah. in front of you over the years not <laughs> yeah. going to go through them all yeah. but how do these match up as a sort of a new pairing?
3: I think they're excellent. As you can see tonight they've the two big lads that they brought on up front, and they dealt with them really well. They said they were they were tactically excellent and in, in the position. Kev got his head on pretty much everything. I think he's sort of made it from to save an in the first half, like that was just his positional play and his, his know-how probably from his experience being away and bringing
0: it back in and doing well for us. It seems like you know the club had a shock last season and. <clears throat> in the last couple of weeks of the season everyone seemed to regroup and, and realise the seriousness of the situation do you sense a, a, a kind of different mood around the club in any way this year that people have realised we well, can't let that allow to happen again you know to be allowed yeah. to happen again there was, a, I think there was a naivety
3: I think from the players part I just think we got the ball down and tried to play every single game and didn't take the opposition for for their own merits in each game, I think we kind of adjusted that when the lads came in with a bit of experience in the summer kind of ground out results, kind of like the way we are at the moment, I think this year we've, we've kind of started that way and then hopefully it'll go into now, the pitches get better, the play gets better, if we can start kind of adapting our play to, to the way we, we Lean wants to play, he probably wouldn't have been happy with the way we played tonight but ground out results for us, probably would have been beaten last year but we'll get better, we'll, we'll play off in the back more and as long as the pitches get better so
0: so will play hopefully I guess the pitch in Tallis should be okay on, on Friday night it generally tends to be I mean is it still a, a special game for you to be involved in you've, you've, you've seen this game from various different sides yeah. over the years
3: yeah absolutely it's, it's it's great going up there I've been there since since I was a kid barring my, my move over to the goals but um, it's an expansive pitch so hopefully we'll look to go and play there and, and get the ball in and play we a good record up there we have a good record against Rovers beat them twice last year and we lost more games
0: or less games than they did last year so we we'll were looking to go up there and get it just finally I mean it's very early days in the season for everyone you 've seen the dog tonight you 've seen cork the first day What's your sort of take on the differences or not between those two those two sides given they have set the standards in recent years yeah they' they're fairly similar sides I think maybe tonight they were
3: kind of got the ball wide a lot more than they did last year, maybe maybe missing the kind of Mcney figure in the middle that yeah. we kind of linked the play. that's that's kind of we weren't expecting them to go as wide as often as they did tonight, but I think the lads did well but, but Cork as well. It's Cork have been the same for the last couple of years, but to get the ball back to front fairly quickly, but um, so they, they seem to be
0: the same. Dan is a sort new relatively new player to the league. You, you know, you came in midway through last season. So what's your take been on the sort of type of style of play you're encountering, the type of various teams you've encountered? Because I think you were part of teams that won in Cork and won in Dundalk last year, which is pretty good. But just in terms of the, the quality of opponent or the style of opponent you're facing every week?
2: Um, I think it's, it's very underestimated. I think especially coming back from England, people in England underestimate the league. And There's a lot of lads in the league I personally think could be playing in England at a high standard. Like you look at Sean Shawnee McGuire, he's scoring goals for fun over in England at the minute. So uh I don't know, I think it's underestimated. It's very tough The to lad there's different teams, obviously you've got the direct teams and you've got the teams that like to play, which is it's you have to sort of adjust to on the day. But the standard's very good and I think it's it's only getting bigger and you can see, especially with the fans, everyone, a lot more attendance and Everything for the league, sort of on the up, which is good.
0: What did you make of some hats on Friday? What was their style then in, in that game?
2: They tried to play. Um, they wouldn't be a direct team. I think they they can play football, and uh, I feel we sort of we done well against them. We played the better football, I think, personally in the first half. Um, we passed the ball well, but I think in the second half we just went a bit sloppy, and they played they played well and they came at us, and they're a bit on the front foot.
1: Can I just ask you, that? I went along to the Derry game um, and I thought what was interesting there, and I don't think Derry had done it in their first two games, was that Kenny Shields went three at the back that night. And because they played three in midfield all the time, it seems, they ended up playing two up front. So you've got Ronan Curtis and Rory Patterson. Now, normally these days as a centre half, it's not many teams will play two up front. Now, just say for that game, would you have information going into it that Derry were going to go that way? Or do you find the team sheet? Do you look at the warm-up and then... You know, Keith, and, Keith, and Trevor have a look, and they talk to you about it. In
2: fairness to Keith and Trevor, they sort of called it before the game, so it's sort of, it sort of, it's diff- it's difficult for everyone really because you don't know teams could change on the day, and they did change because normally they play three in the middle. So uh, you sort of have to adjust, to, adjust it on the day, and just go from there as quick as possible, and don't let it affect you.
1: And from your point of view, say say if you are playing, um, if if you're coming up against a team that plays one striker. Is it generally down to the striker in terms of which defender ends up marking him, where he goes? Or, I mean, if you're up against, w- would you prefer to be a marking centre-half or, or the free one?
2: Um, well, the way we play at Bows is we, one person will go on for, well, I shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we can cut this out. That's fine. <laughs> we, we sort of double up on him. We try yeah. to sort of smother him as much as best we can. So that's how we sort of play. We try to make him as quiet as we can for the whole game yeah
1: because you hear sometimes stories of centre halves who you know, have a right side and a left side they don't generally want to cross over so if the striker goes no. you might pass him on or yeah we
2: normally pass him on we don't really want to be pulled out of position too much which is there's a lot of good strikers that will make you do that like when they've got you thinking it's hard to sort of adjust on the, t- on the minute and sometimes you will get dragged out of position so sort of it's really you have to it's up to your communication with your other centre half
1: without giving too much away again maybe <laughs> who, who are the strikers you've come up against since you, since you came back last summer that have impressed you
2: uh, I like Roman Curtis I think he's a good player, um, but there's a lot of good lads uh, played against. Um, I couldn't really name just yeah. one. I think they're they're all good lads. There's no there's no game. I felt this is uh, this is too easy. Like and of
1: course
0: talking about strikers, your bow's leading scorers You can throw that around the training ground, <laughs> <game>, can't you? <laughs> ah, <no. laughs> Would you have encountered Kevin Toner in England? Would you have played against him? Maybe at any underage level? No, no, I
2: never. I know a few lads who he knows. So, yeah. Uh,
0: I wanted two lads but I would I never
2: played against them
0: because I thought it was interesting Des last night that I when mean, we were the game we were at the Pats then if they were the team that was out to try and play on Friday against Bowe's that they almost had to you know there was almost a role reversal last night in the sense there's sort of an unusual aspect of a Pats team at home that was setting out really to contain now I know yeah. Liam Buckley was maybe frustrated that their passing was poor at times but it was almost it was a different game and there was a different plan which is something that and Barry Murphy touched on it there they haven't always being that savvy when it comes to this and it's interesting that they were able to adapt to this particular game
1: for them it's back to back clean sheets now which is, is fantastic for them and I think as well when you look at Pats in recent years even generally you know when they play Conan Byrne on the right and whoever it was Billy Denny last year Dean Clark this year on the left and Christie up front and you've got three midfielders quite often it was one and two in front. But I think last night it was very much two and one in front with Vermarki. And I think maybe the, I don't know if that's something conscious that they they did just for this game or if it's something they've been doing for a few games. But you know you've got you've got Robbie Benson and getting forward, and you've got Ronan Murray. So obviously maybe they were conscious of, that gap in there and making sure that it wasn't just Brennan but Garvin as well in there so I think they set out to make themselves quite solid and defensively they were very good two I mean you'd four very good fullbacks on the pitch I yeah. thought last night so in terms of game breakers the wide men were going to find it difficult I think so then you're trying to get through the middle and that was quite congested with three and three in there so I think maybe it wasn't a huge surprise it wasn't a whole lot of chances but I think defensively both were great and of course Dundalk another clean sheet still haven't conceded a goal
0: yeah I mean I think that it's interesting though that, that in fairness, the past did a very good job with Dundalk in terms of how really Murray and Huben and I know it's Huben because you, yeah, would, it's you would make it, <laughs> <a good thing. laughs> and, and, uh, and Owen and, stood up for me. Owen, our producer stood and up. And Benson, for me, yeah. they actually they got f- they, they actually linked up better against Cork. They never yeah. really got close enough to each other last night to really open up Pat. And that is a credit to how Pat set up. But I think with Pat, what's interesting is what happens when Killian Brennan comes back. Yeah, in. and I think he's back quite soon. Isn't yeah. He? So like Garvin is obviously hugely important player and he tries to dictate things but but Killian Brennan likes to do that as well and who misses out when he comes back in that's going to be a that's going to be a challenge in terms of for Liam to actually accommodate them all because Markey's a very talented player I think Jamie Lennon also played against Bowes last week and I I gather he was quite impressive as well too so they have a few options maybe things are, are looking up there a bit after a what was a sort of a, a lost patch but it's strange that when you consider they were the champions the most recent champions before Dundalk and Cork took over and yet they're at the stage last night where a home draw against Dundalk it's, it's huge it's like they've realised they need to go again they yeah. need to to rebuild and accept okay it's it's, it's it's building box slowly back to where they were you know yeah, but, I, yeah and I think I, I think I think defensively, because that's always been the issue thrown at Pats. That
1: maybe they're not, you know, you can you can score goals against them. I think to have two back-to-back clean sheets and Barry Barry Murphy. I know you mentioned the, the slip for for the the Sadler winner wasn't yeah. for the car game. I think for him to be back in now, because he, you know, last year there was Conor O'Malley and Lucas scoring towards the end yeah. of the season. Um, can I just say as well? I was watching the warmers, and Barry Murphy pulled off one of the best saves I've seen all season <laughs> in the warmers. So Barry, if you're listening, nobody else might have seen it, but I saw it. But it's good to see him back in. He's a good goalkeeper. I
0: could just ask you then about Waterford because they've started the season very well, and they, I mean, they're up there. They're they joint to the top with Cork at this stage. And um, what were your thoughts on, on Waterford last night?
2: Um. I, I think it was very similar to the Pats I think we played quite well in the first half and second half I think we just uh, we've been sloppy and we haven't created enough chances and in fairness to them they were quite compact and they didn't give us much they uh, went quite direct and they have two big lads up front which uh, were tough to deal with but I feel I think it was out of our hand. we sort of let it slip again which isn't good enough for us. so it's a bit frustrating but they're a good side, and I think they could do well this year. I
0: know you were you were mentioning off-air the facilities. Then they're very yeah, good. It's brilliant, something.
2: brilliant, very like the dressing rooms. Um, unbelievable. Like they could be as good as England. And the pitch, the pitch wasn't great yesterday, but normally it's quite good. And I think it was a bit heavy because of the rain, but they can't control that.
0: The one, well, the one other story we had, of course, from the Monday night games was the opening of the new Brandywell, which is something that it's uh, been delayed, I guess, by the weather and 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 other factors. And it was an exciting night. It was a a happy night, I guess. And I think Kenny Shields spoke after the game to our friends at, at Drive 105. And thanks again to Kevin for sorting it, sorting us out with Kenny Shields' post-match thoughts. And it comes across in the piece that he was nervous, a bit worried about this opening night. But in the end, a 5-0 win against
4: Limerick, it all went well. And here was Kenny's thoughts afterwards.
3: Kenny, how would you uh, describe your team's display
4: tonight? I thought it was very good. You know what, uh, having good... A big defeat on Friday night. For a performance that wasn't that much less than tonight. I, you know, we, we overlook the fact that Friday night statistics is not good, but I thought the boys played well on Friday nights for long periods of the game, uh, and I said that to you. There was just a little bit of naivety and inexperience on Friday night, so it's it's brought me back to life because I, I was really bad at the weekend, and, and so was Q, and. You know, we put so much in to try and help the players and we felt that uh, we got a short change on Friday night but tonight was the commitment level and the energy of the team and the players was there for all to see and we had to give something back to the city tonight. It was about us because there was this big fanfare for the game and I, I was worried sick, I really was because I've managed teams in front of 60,000, 70,000 player uh, supporters, but tonight, and uh, with no nerves at all, tonight was nerve-wracking because I knew that the average guy from the Brandywell, from the Craigan, from wherever, from Shintala, they have been deprived of their uh, weekly trip down or fortnightly trip down to see their local team, and they've been deprived of that. So coming back tonight they were um, anticipating and expecting a performance because there's such a crowd there again full house and they wanted to have a good time and the only downside is it wasn't a Friday night or a weekend night for them but it was a Monday night and I'm sure they went home satisfied and I felt responsible that we had to and, and I'm the guy that makes the selections and. I'm the guy that makes the mistakes, and I wanted to make sure tonight was for them. And we returned that for them tonight. Hopefully we we repaid them in a way in which it's good to be back. You know, that's the way they'll be leaving. Can't wait for Friday night now, because that was a good atmosphere. uh, And there was entertainment was good from our perspective, I thought. And we wanted to show them that we, we were thinking of them
2: can have a lot of players out at the moment but
0: those young ones tonight put on a five star performance it gives you a headache now when them players are coming back into and uh, they're uh, maybe trying to get a first team spot
4: I know uh, that's good but the experienced players are missing there's seven players out and you know people have been looking at negative um, negativity and we've actually got six points from five games when four of them have been away from home so we're, we're not a million miles away from the top six and that's where we want to be and hopefully if we can work hard and take the confidence and the buzz into Friday night we've got a chance of of hopefully getting another result but it's going to be tough because Bray haven't started well and they've got really good players, I'm aware of their players and we've got to match them in their workload and their energy and you have to say that you know, the performances of a lot, if you go through our team and look at them uh, and look at the age of our players, it's the youngest team in the league we've got seven under 21 internationals current and there's going to be um, it's a big ask for them to keep producing and producing and producing and my chairman has been more than supportive if you look at the the players we have we've got Gavin Pears to come in with David Hupp Kirk Kirk to come in with Chris Turner all experienced players uh, Armin Aganovic Seven players of a lot of League of Ireland and uh, European experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is going to be great to have the Brandywell back. I mean, I know we touched on it there. There was a sort of a huge emotion around the night with Ryan McBride and Mark farren 's family were, were there. The Mark farren stand is the, is the new stand that's there. And I know Martin O'Neill was there too. So it's a special moment for Derry because it's been a... They were they were just lost a bit, I think, towards the yeah. end of the last season in in terms of McGinn Park, and maybe over time it just it wore down on them having not not having their their home ground. So this must be a great boost for the yeah. the whole club.
1: You know, Dan, it's a brilliant footballing city. We we spent so many nights up there when we used to do the old Satanta Cup, and you know you'd stay overnight over there and you'd meet the players Fantastic, and everything. Yeah. It, it's just a brilliant city, and they're so into the game up there, and they've given us, of course, some of the some of the best players that we've seen. Um, I think from their point of view, Limerick were in a hiding to nothing going up there because, you know, Derry had had, what, four away games and I think the results were poor and they were just waiting on this and waiting on this. And I remember being at, talking to a few Derry lads down at Bowes down when I was at that game and they were saying that the Dundalk game that was meant to be the first game that ended up being snowed off, Derry hadn't even got on the pitch. The team hadn't even got on the pitch at that point. And that was a concern for them, obviously, because you want to check the surface, you want to bed it in, and you want to feel what it's like. So that's one other thing, actually. It'd be interesting to see come, any comments on the surface and how it's come out.
0: Yeah, there was mixed reports about how good it was going to be, but there was no... Horror reports coming out yeah. of of the game, it must be said. But again, I think it needed games to bed down, and that was the concern that when a team hadn't even trained there, yeah. that there would be a match before even a training session, and that all of a sudden it be- could become very unsettled, like the old Oriel Park the first time the. I played Park was a TV game and it was horrendous. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't get much better really after that. But it started off particularly badly. And I think to the delight of every right back in the country, the dip is gone, isn't it? The dip, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the right famous right? dip. Yeah, you, you <laughs> never played there, no, Dan. No, no, Casey, no, the, no, the 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 slope is gone. I think so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 I think the, the toss may not have has now lost its significance, maybe in the context of a game. But you, you uh, you're not too familiar with Kenny Shields' uh, work, really, are you? No,
2: I wouldn't wouldn't know. He,
0: he had a few comments now about the, the ball was not really being Bowes being a full-time team was that sort of no? I hope we f- got you in here today Dan actually, between full-time <laughs> training sessions no,
2: yeah, I, no, I heard that but we're not like this lad's working nine to five jobs so it's I mean, we love it to be but it's just not unfortunately and uh, that's not true <laughs> what,
0: what, What's your own situation so Dan you've, you've come into the league after four years away with Sunderland um, how did you view coming home as a, as a career move and, and what was your thinking I guess when, when Bowes came up as an option?
2: To be honest, um, I could have probably. I my agent was saying there was a few clubs in England that I could have went and tried to, but I just felt I went. I wanted to go home. I was. I I had made my decision. I wanted to come home and play in the League of Ireland. And lucky, luckily enough, Keith um, got me to bows and. Haven't really looked back since.
0: Because you were like a reality TV star in your teens when there was <laughs> that that football scholars program. Yeah. I think it was satanta as it was at the time. Um, followed John Egan and a number of young players around, and you were just starting off at, at Sunderland at that point. Yeah, no,
2: I don't. I hadn't even signed there. I was only fifteen, fourteen, I think. Okay. At the time, yeah. So uh, no, that was a good program, but I just felt as soon as my time was done in Sunderland, I wanted to get home and play the high level, highest level I could. And, I was just
0: Could just take it back to your teenage years, though, because you were an all-round sportsman. You weren't just a, sort of a, a young footballer at St Joseph's Boys. You were proficient enough in the the rugby field, in the GEA field. What what sort of options did you have at that time? Just to explain to people because I know you were involved at a high enough level in <laughs> both those sports as well.
2: Um, yeah, no, I played for Kula and I played for my school CBC and so rugby. So I did love I loved all three sports, and it was tough making the decision. Football always edges it that sort of bit, but I was playing. It could be on a Saturday. I play a rugby match in the morning go to the afternoon play a Gaelic match and then the Sunday I'd have a match <laughs> for Joey's so I'm giving out there's a game two days in a row in <laughs> a few days but I was playing a lot more when I was younger but I think it's good you get different you get different uh, strengths off different sports
1: Can I ask you about the Joey's thing because I'm from down in Cork and you know there's certain clubs down there there's the rivalry even at a young age going down there um, there's the you know Joey's and Kevin's and Crumlin and all of that how competitive is that at a young age how, who did you run into what kind of teams did you run into oh, I was
2: very competitive especially how,
1: how's as soon as it, get oh, it gets serious, oh, it gets very
2: soon. I think as soon as as soon as the games really start, um, obviously because you got the managers who've came through the club and they sort of filled the philosophy into the club, saying how big the games are, and you're getting this no players from uh, regional teams like DDSL yeah. teams, and obviously if they are becoming your mates, you want to get obviously beat your mates, and uh, now it's obviously especially with Joe's being one of the biggest clubs in Dublin anyway, so it's tough, and you just want to win all your games, and I think.
1: And how good was your t- that that said? Well, no, Dylan Watts. You were telling me earlier. Yeah, I, were, and I was there with
2: him. He's on my team now. I played with him since I was three, so I've, <laughs> kn- I've known him all my life, really. And uh, our Joe's team were good now, but it, it, it was it was a good standard. Like there was no team. I think it would it were the best team by a mile. So it was you, you get some wins and some losses. So you know, that was how it was.
0: Like how understanding did your managers have to be about the other sports? And at what point did you actually have to go firmly in one particular way?
2: To be honest, they all wanted me to sort of stay to one sport, which I wasn't going to do at such a young age because I sort of wanted... And in fairness, my family sort of were happy with me playing all sports and trying to keep my options open, which was good. Uh, but obviously, all the I think they got to the stage when I was about 14, 15. When I got to the stage where I was playing sort of for representative squads, I sort of I couldn't really commit to all the training sessions, which was... Not, I couldn't. It was just not really suitable, feasible I mean, I mean, you, exactly. Yeah.
0: You were involved the Dublin at under sixteen level in GA though.
2: Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I played, a few, I played a few games with Dublin, but I think it was sort of just in, in the way Dublin ran. It was much with the summer, which was good. So I sort of had a bit of time to do that because obviously the football season sort of stopped at the younger age. It only goes through like the same as England. Which was good, so I got a bit of time to do both. But it was tough, like, and I think I might have annoyed a few people that the fact I couldn't get to a few sessions, which which is understandable. But I think I got to a stage where I couldn't. i was sort of annoying people too much that I
0: couldn't keep missing sessions and turning up. That's that's a big draw, though, Dublin. I mean, potentially, you know, some people might have gone another way. I mean, was that something that ever crossed your mind? That, You're watching the Croke Park summer Sundays or something, and thinking, "Hey, this uh, could be for me."
2: Exactly. Well, listen. It was more so when I went over to England when I was young and if I had a bad day or missing yeah. home or something and you'd be watching the all Ireland in the summer and you'd be thinking, oh, I'd love to, I'd love to be home, attempting to try and get near that.
1: Conor Callaghan was a teammate yeah, of yours growing up and you see, you see what he's doing. I think, it was, was it 2013 you went to Sunderland? Was I that the year? Yeah. I mean, that was Jim Gavin's first year, I think, coming in. Yeah. And to see what they've done for All-Irelands in five years under him. Unbelievable, yeah. It's incredible, just yeah. taking it to a different level entirely.
2: Yeah, they're flying and... Uh, cards as well so I think it was just and that That was obviously a, when seeing Dublin doing so well it was obviously a bigger sort of would I oh, I'd love to go back and do it
1: but what no, position I, did you play
0: I played in centre half forward or centre full forward alright
1: nice
0: and for Leinster, different around you as well. Is this uh-huh. it, this well, it's another story. That's coming by the end of this, you'll be a Dublin <laughs> senior footballer <laughs> and a Lions rugby player by the time <laughs> you finished
2: with you. Now, listen, all this is could have been what could have been. Like I was just never, listen nothing was in stone ever. I went, I looked at the Leinster facilities once and had a look around there when I was playing Junior Cup rugby, but it was nothing serious. Uh, I, it was tough though because I loved all the sports, and if I, I would have been happy going then as far as I could in any of those spots, which would have been a good thing but I think football was always just the one that just edged
0: it. I mean, is there a day where you sit down with your family or with, with people and go okay this is what I'm going to do It was more
2: of a gradual process because you sort of like my family's big rugby family and I'm, then one side of my family is a Gaelic family so football was never really a, a fa- part of my family so it was that was tough for me but I felt it was just my family backed me and I felt it was my favourite sport and what I was best at so I felt I sort of had to go for that.
1: So Kenny Shields is right. You've been professional since you were 12. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so, so the Sundered experience then. I mean, it, there's a lot of debate now obviously about, you know, should kids stay at home at that age? Uh, or should they go away if the opportunity presents itself? I mean, what was what was your Sunderland experience like?
2: Um, well, that opportunity presented itself I was never going to say no. It was something I dreamed of as a young lad, so... Um, I loved it. I had a great time there. Met some lot of good people over there and a lot of friends I still have now. Um, Obviously, I hoped I could have probably gone on from there but it wasn't to be so sort of just had to get on with it but I did love it and it was a great experience.
4: I mean,
1: Sorry Dan, I was just wondering what the club was like at the time because I, I just added up very quickly there last night when I knew you were coming on and I think in your four seasons over there Sunderland had seven managers
2: Yeah, it was a bit crazy it was, It's tough though because you're sort of trying to the club, you know, the like the first team, they've got a manager in and then the manager gets sacked and then a new manager comes in and brings his players that he likes Yeah. so it was sort of just the players were getting more and more players it was tough for the young lads to break through
1: but so if you think you're catching one manager's eye, the next thing he's gone. You're starting to exactly. scratch again. Yeah,
2: and no, it was tough. That was that was tough, and with more and more players coming in, it was obviously hard as well. But uh, you know, I think when I was there, someone survived a lot of relegation dog fights as well, which is hard. And you're not going to bring a young lad in when they're fighting for survival. Yeah. So it was just an unlucky time to be there. But uh, you no, know, so that's that's how it was.
0: The, the, the pull of home, as you mentioned, because your agent said there was clubs in England. Um, I mean, was there any part of you that thought, God, if I go home, people are going to say it just, he hasn't he hasn't cracked it over there, or has the percep- perception of the league changed in some way that it doesn't seem as bad as it might have at at one point?
2: I think it's a bit of both. I think there's some lads, the people who don't really know the league will be like, oh, he's coming home, he hasn't done anything, he hasn't made it. But the way I looked at it, it was the leagues a great opportunity to try and get back across and you've seen lads do it and it's a good standard so I, that's what, that's how I wanted to go and that's what I made my decision for. It, ha- it?
1: it has changed Dan hasn't it because you're looking at it now I mean we were talking about Daniel Cleary coming back from was it four years at Liverpool and a spell at Birmingham and people are saying you know, he started the season so well that he's just 21 there's every chance he could go again.
0: Uh, very much so and I think it's even this winter in particular there seems to be quite a large number coming back, just for, for whatever reason. You know, I think Danny Kane has come back from Huddersfield to Cork. And um, there's, okay, there's De Hales at Derry. There's, there's actually guys coming back on loan too as yeah. well. There's, there's full-time moves. But I think John Caulfield has spoke about that, that maybe it's a good thing that the reputation of the league is improving to the sense that, that English clubs think it's not a bad thing that he's going there for six months. Whereas well, look before, at Ryan, Ryan Delaney did a Cork. Ryan Delaney year. is the case as a case in point. Whereas... I guess before that, the fear would be, well, he's going to go back there and and not train as much or not develop as much. Whereas, clearly, that's changed. And it's, and it's a young league. I mean, if you've, yeah. have you have you found that that you're encountering guys you might have played against on the schoolboy yeah, scene or definitely. stuff like that?
2: Like I know, I know a lot of. That. I came back and thinking I know nobody, but I know a good few lads in the league. Like so, playing for them at young ages, and you just you see them coming through, and there's a lot of them. Like that you wouldn't think it, but. There'd be about 15 or 16 lads I would have played at a young age, playing in the league, and that's just my age, like, so that's a, that's a lot.
0: I mean, Dylan, would be, Dylan Watts would be one of those loanies yeah. of course, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play, because I've heard very positive reports, but I mean, what was what's his take on coming back on loan?
2: Yeah, no, he's seen it as an opportunity. He's getting first-team football, which is, which you can't get in England uh, if you're playing 23s, which he was doing, so he's, he's going to take it with both hands, and hopefully he can can benefit the rewards of it
0: because academy football or under 23 football sorry i think you've spoken you've gone on record about the fact that it's it's uh, it's almost not real i think owen stokes used the term fake football that it's there's some difference between that i guess and Derby night the first night of the season uh, in fibsburg in, in, in when you are you're, you're the, the king of a uh, king of bows <laughs> for a night there's a bit on that game all right isn't yeah. there? <laughs>
2: well listen it's this difference is there's, there's nothing really it's it's not a like lads are playing for their careers there like it's their jobs so you can't really mess around in 23s like you're going to play a game but it doesn't matter as much there could be 100 people at it but there's a couple of thousand people at these games like it's just a different ball game completely
1: what sort of an impact have um, Keith and and Trevor made on you they're two very very well regarded people in the league
2: oh they've been brilliant Um, it's I think I've and this is no disrespect to Sunderland but I think I've learned mo- as much or more with these two lads than I have when I was over there I think they're just they're very good and they're very patient coaches they'll take you So, like I've, there's been many times they've, came in, they've brought me in before training to just look at video analysis where I can get better and stuff which is very good and uh, I can't speak highly of them
1: How do you see this year going then? I think Bose it might be unfair to talk in terms of silverware at this point of a season but I think the last silverware was the O nine 9 league when they made it back-to-back league titles looking back that was a very serious team a mature team under Pat Fenlon what do you think he can do this year what's the hope
2: um, well we had a we can't really I just think we just need to get a win on their Belfast first and just try to push on from there because I think the last few games they haven't been good enough we've just lost one nil results which we, we could have gone either way I think in every game so I think we sort of just need to get more greedy and just trying to grind out a bit more results and then hopefully
0: go on a bit of a run I mean the home form has been a problem for, now ironically enough you started off with a brilliant home win but can you put your finger on why it is that the, the home form just hasn't clicked compared to the away away results well, I don't
2: know to be honest because the fans are always brilliant there. Like it's, it's like having an extra player so I don't know how it is but hopefully we'll address that and we'll try and get away in the home as much as we can and try and make it a sort of fortress for clubs to come to, come to both
0: we need to see them celebrating the chip fan more don't we <laughs> oh yeah, yeah I mean it was a special night though I know you, yeah. you just, there's an element of you just need to move beyond that now because yeah. the results since then maybe haven't been fantastic but I guess still for a young player coming home from England to be part of a night like that must have been something for the confidence and oh. for the, the levels after the next couple of days
2: yeah no you'd be on a high for a couple of days anyway it was brilliant uh, I loved it. It was great, but it's been a bit. It would have been even better if you could have pushed on a bit more. But uh, it was—I'm not going to take away. It was a great night, and I, I loved it.
0: I <laughs> just mentioned that you say you've learned a lot from Keaton Trevor, but obviously you are training in, in the evening time primarily. Are you doing anything yourself during the day? Are you pursuing anything else just alongside football, or what's your? Yeah, I'm your doing take? a
2: college course at the minute and personal training, so that's keeping me busy during the day. I'm studying as much as I can with that.
0: Right. So Myself and Dan will be in it with our knee injuries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think you, I'm not sure if you're qualified enough yet to <laughs> fully, uh, fully deal with the complexities of these right. problems. But um, Okay, but was that something that you were keen on doing to, to actually to, you know, develop yourself in another way as, as well as... To as be honest, even when I, was,
2: when I was in England, I did extra education. I felt my dad and my mom always made me to, they always wanted me to do education just have a backup plan because you never know like one touch wood now like injuries can sort of end careers very early yeah listen but it's and you never know little things can happen in football which you can't control so it's always be good to have a backup plan yeah.
0: so that was something you did in england as well you, oh, definitely, did, you, yeah. did you finish your studies i over did there? studies
2: i did a b-tech over there so i did extra education uh It was just, you got the option over there, which some of them were very good to have, and they gave you the option, which was good. So,
1: no,
2: I was happy I did that.
1: Yeah, and just to point out as well, um, Rovers-Bows, the the next instalment will be live on air in a couple of weeks' time as well, so we're really really looking forward to that one.
2: Oh, yeah, that should be good anyway.
0: Good pro. pro. (laughs) Just just before I let you go, I mean, you you face, as we've mentioned, you face Sligo Rovers on Friday, Um, they're all big games in this sort of 10-team league, but in light of the disappointing results you've had, there's a sort of a certain pressure on you this week to Definitely, try and put something yeah. right.
2: No, it, it's a big, it's a huge game for us. Um, I think we haven't been good enough in the last few games, so we have to put it right now on Friday and try and get the result.
0: Okay, well, listen, Dan, thanks very much for coming in, and no, no uh, right. uh, hopefully we'll have you back in again. Maybe when you're further down the person in training line, you can, <laughs> you can help you can help us along. Yeah, and exactly. Best of luck for the rest of the Brilliant. season. Thanks, D- thank friends.
2: you very much. Cheers.
0: There we go. That was that was Dan Casey. it must have been a, a hell of a, a, a teenage dilemma to have <laughs> Leinster, Dublin, and a Premier League club going after. He's pretty modest about it, really, isn't he? Yeah.
1: Can you imagine me the parents at home trying to fit the homework in around that as oh, well? Yeah. I think it's a. <laughs> he was a busy boy, obviously. Uh,
0: I mean, I'd, I'd say now. A lot of sleepless nights, I would have thought, with that sort of a dilemma hanging over you. Big, de- big decisions to be making, isn't it, at a young age? Yeah, and I think the point that, that should be made is, and sort of touched on it a small bit, is that with the the underage leagues coming in, and you do hear anecdotal tales of you know kids being asked to make a decision very early, and there is something to be said for personal development of trying your hand at various sports, at different disciplines, yeah. at different disciplines. But it's, it's about finding the balance between that and. Putting enough hours into your football development for just something you hear coaches and people speaking about all the time, and it's a balancing act. And I'm not sure what the right solution is because it seems wrong to be telling someone to to give up a sport that they may end up needing at some yeah. stage in the future.
1: I think it's it's completely different. And I'm a few years older than you. I think but then when we were younger, anyway, yeah. you knew you'd go out and you play. I mean, being from more more in the countryside, you go out and you play. How
0: much how much older are you, Des? Me...
1: I'm a few years old. We we'll talk about that later. <laughs> 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 but I think you, you would grow up and you you know you'd play. A bit of soccer, you play a bit of football, play a bit of hurling. There was never any real pressure on you, yeah. but I think now, like I've two young lads at home as well, and they're starting out doing all that. And you just throw them into everything and just see what lands. I think you know it, it will get competitive. And as, as, as Dan was saying, at, at Joey's and clubs like that, it will get competitive a lot quicker. My my, my young fellow played. You know, they were playing a match the other week against Crumlin, and you can see it's quite competitive already. And he's eight. You know, yeah. and you just you just hope that the pressure doesn't come on too soon. They can find what they want to play, and they'll they'll just go and enjoy that then.
0: Yeah, I know. That's. I think that that's a very it's a very valid point. Um, we're going to move ahead now. Just look ahead to this weekend's games. I should mention as well. Um, there was a few issues. I think last week with uh, people who listened to us on various. Uh, uh, podcast apps and, and devices and so on. Now, if you're listening to us now and you've been in that situation, there's a very good chance you've probably solved it. But, uh, but if not, uh, if you're listening to us in an in a unusual uh, way compared to your, your your whatever your favorite app is, I think there was a couple issues with Podcast Addict and a few of those. What we're saying is we've changed our hosting provider. So unsubscribe and then resubscribe. And it, it should work from now on. But otherwise, we're available on iTunes and SoundCloud and all all the usual places but we shall move on to this weekend's games because there is no rest there's actually a double round of fixtures as well because we've got games on on Monday but we're going to look ahead to Friday initially Um, Premier Division we've got Bowes at home to Sligo as we mentioned with Dan Derry City at the Brandywell again at home to Bray Dundalk Waterford it's now uh, second v third with Waterford in second place sorry um, away to Dundalk Munster Derby, Limerick against Cork at Markets Field on Friday and then a Dublin Derby, Shamrock Rovers against Pats in Talla. And Division 1 we should mention as well. Um, Friday's games, Athlone, who were hammered by Drada in the Sunday afternoon game. It's not looking great for Athlone this year at home to UCD. Galway who drew away UCD won all at home to Cabo, Cavantilly, Shelburne at home to Longford who had a good win last weekend against Wexford and then we've got Wexford at home to draw that, that's all on Friday and then on Saturday we've got Colv Ramblers at home to Finn Harps, Finn Harps eventually got their season going with a draw against Shell so I mean no show will be complete without some kind of contribution from Johnny Ward. um, uh, he's in some kind of bunker some kind of den in Cheltenham so rather than taking him on the phone he sent us like an audio message a cry for help but but it also features uh, it's like one minute of gold his hot tips for the week not just in football but a winner for Cheltenham too uh, and yeah this, here it is, is deep from the realms of Abu Ghraib prison here's Johnny Ward
5: Greetings live from Cheltenham on day one. We had a lot of rain yesterday, which won't be any concern if you're a Cork City fan or if you're a fan of Derry City or Sligo Rovers and so on and so forth. But my lock of the week is actually St. Patrick's Athletic to beat Shamrock Rovers in Talla on Friday at 8 o'clock GMT. I thought Pats were pretty solid against Bowes. was at that game last Friday. And to keep a clean sheet at homestone Dock is no mean feat. They're definitely a lot, lot more solid this season. Um if Garvin can keep his legs they have a bit of ingenuity in midfield and uh, I think the boy uh, Lennon had a great game actually on Friday as well, they have some nice players Pats. I think they're going to push for Europe this season and Rovers were very poor by all accounts in Cork and maybe just at around about 7-2 I do like uh, Pats to beat Rovers the lock of the week over here is Saldi in the Triumph Erdl. if you want something a bit shorter uh, Lorena on the Thursday uh, should bolt up in the Maris hurdle but uh, greetings from Cheltenham, and let it be known that I'm thinking of you all, especially you, Dan.
0: Ah, oh, that was a beautiful moment there from Johnny. Uh, do you agree with his lock of the week, Des, Pats, to, to go and win in Talla? I thought you were going to ask me for the horse racing there.
1: Um, no. It's, you know, it's a big shout. Um, as we said, Pats, a couple of clean sheets. Rover's last two home games, 6-6. Six and six. Um, I don't know. As, as you said, coming off the, the Dundalk game, there was obviously... An element of a defensive, okay. We got to get this right defensively tonight. Just wonder how they'll be when they go to to Rovers. Will will, will it be something similar or not?
0: Yeah, Um, because I think we're still trying to figure out this Rovers team. We haven't really mm. spoken about the Cork Rovers game. I guess neither of us were, you know, we're at it. And it was a huge match. And I think it should be recognised. I mean, for Cork, that was a hugely significant win that you could easily. You know you could fear a defeat against them dog knocking them back, and somehow they go on a on a sloppy run, so I think to turn it around three days later and 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 get by what Sounded it to be a deserved win against Rovers. It just suggests that from Cork's perspective, you know, there's, there's a certain mental resilience there because they had a tough night with McCormick being taken off and certain questions that were raised. But from the Rovers' point of view as well, it must be slightly frustrating that you know, you, you're very impressive. You knock six past Derry and yet you lose your next game. They, they, just, they lost too many games last year and they have to get to the stage of development where they can go there and, and get that result in Cork and, and keep that momentum going.
1: From what I read, and I said I wasn't there either, I think Rovers, the idea seems to be that they actually play quite well down there. If you look back to last season, their fixture list to start with was pretty horrendous. It, It was as difficult as you could get. I think this year, they had so many new players in last season as well. I think this year, just adding it up, Say, uh, the team that played down in Turner's Cross, Joey O'Brien, Ali Gilchrist, Dan Carr, Sean Kavanagh, and maybe even throw Sam Boning because he didn't play a whole lot yeah. last season. That's essentially, again, nearly half a team that's coming in and he's changing it and they're, they're trying to see what works and what doesn't. So again, in, I, th- I still think they're feeling their way. And as you said, we don't really know exactly who they are yet. Um, but this game against Pats, now I think that becomes important, as you said, because coming off the back of a defeat in Turner's Cross two big home wins can they go and do it again
0: yeah because I I think we need to see how rock solid they are at the back as well because you see now now we've not conceding a goal ironically enough Cork this year have probably been a bit looser than Mm. they were at the start of last season Um, it's just Rovers just have to um, get that balance right because now you're looking forward to watching all these attacking players yeah because
1: it it seems to be at the back end it seems to be Lee Grace plus one Yeah, you know it's Ali Gilchrist lately Roberto Lopez has been in there um, Ethan Boyle
0: was injured the last day so Joey O'Brien played um, but yeah it's a, it's a question of when, when he plays Trevor Clark as well because he took Clark out of it last night put Luke Byrne in yeah. and, and you know sometimes you play Clark at left back and it gives the team a certain impetus yeah. attacking wise other games he, they go a different way when they're trying to be a bit tighter a bit more compact and it's they're clearly just feeling their way around. And, and where and Jerry O'Brien comes in is an interesting one. Yeah, too. And there is a
1: lot of games, as you said, at the moment. So, you know, there are going to be, you know, not everyone can play every, every game, week to week. And maybe, maybe we saw a little bit of that with Dundalk coming off the back of, I think, something was definitely taken out of them at the court game. He, Stephen Kenny only made one change to his starting mm. 11.
0: And maybe, maybe that was telling as well. So, what's, what's the, the current prediction then for, <laughs> for Rovers? rovers. I'm, tr- I'm trying to get around this. I ro- hate ro- making ro- predictions. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll keep this nice and free. But we won't hold it against you for a long period of time. Okay, we go for, uh, I'll go for a draw there. Go for a draw. I actually tend to agree with you. Pats have had a reasonably good record in, in Talla. I don't know, is Derry Bray a harder game to predict or do we start to, to fear the way things yeah, are going for Bray? you've got to go for
1: Derry, don't you? I mean, yeah. the, high, the high of that.
0: And, you know, it's funny the way things work out.
1: Derry's first game, had the weather not intervened, would have been Dundalk at home. Mm. And that obviously would have been a very tough game for them, I think. As it turned out, it was Limerick who went up there. Big win for Derry. Bray to come now and I think Derry will do that again.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's hard to disagree with that. I think Limerick Cork is, is it's one of the more interesting games because really you should look at it on a form and, and say Cork win, no problem. But clearly this markets field pitch is a bit of a problem. Clearly Limerick have managed to make themselves somewhat difficult to beat there or difficult to play against. And is it factors to do with Limerick or just factors to do with the, the surface there and that, that that that's a leveler? But um, it's such an up and down season for Limerick to take a couple of hammerings and yeah. yet still points wise I think given the pre-season fairs they, they, that, that hung over them they're probably ahead almost of where you thought they could be
1: yeah I'd say, Tommy Barrett must be going in every week thinking you know, what you will know, we be like this week because as you said they go up they get beat 8 in Dundalk they come back and they beat Bray with a clean sheet they've gone up and they've lost heavily in Derry I mean, could they come down and get something off Cork now? I mean, you just don't know. I, it, they've had a lot to deal with, I think. I mean, I, I'm speaking to Brendan Clark when, yeah. when it happened, um, when the manager left and went back to England. And it happened on the day and they found out on the day of training. First day first of pre-season. Day of training, you're thinking, Jesus, yeah. how, how do you get things together and, and get that all sorted out? And it will take them a little bit of time as well, with new players coming in and some big players going out as well. Um, I do think Cork, though, I, I think the Dundalk thing was a not a wake-up call, but, you know, it was a bit of a kicking the backside and that, you know, this is on again this season Now we've got to really go for this again this season. They've got the win against Rovers and I think they might get one down Limerick as well. Yeah,
0: they? I think, I still feel that the, yeah, and over time, I wonder even, will the look back in that opening day draw against Bray and wonder how, how did they allow that to happen? Because I think you still have to be efficiently beaten though. So I think Limerick still ultimately are probably going to end up, you know, happier to be, have a distance between themselves and Bray, and that's almost priority A, and then Anthony after that is almost a bonus. In, and and, in and the interesting
1: thing remains with Cork, the Barry McNamee thing, I think, because yeah. he was, I, I I just thought when they got him, I thought that is one of the signings of the season, no doubt, because he was so good with Derry. He played in the 10 position, but does John Caulfield break up the three that essentially won him the league, that midfield three? I don't think Barry McNamee would be as effective playing wide as we saw no. maybe in a, in a game or two. I just think him as a number 10, I mean, you could be looking at, Potentially, team of the season out here. Yeah, and, it, and he
0: took Buckley out of it last night, didn't yeah. he? So, um, yeah, yeah, we will see sort of what will, will the lessons of Oriole turn out to be very significant and in that sort of weird, strange way turn out to be the best thing to happen to them in terms of shocking the system. But they've also, I think Sean McLaughlin was impressive last
1: night. I have a circle around his name here I mean, and he, he, I think he's up for University Player of the Year or something mm. at the moment. Show us where he's coming from. And I think he played last night and I think he was outstanding. He got a mention from John Caulfield and Conor McCarthy as well, who had. Based on the team sheet here, I'm not exactly sure. I, I'm guessing Conor McCarthy went to right back last night. McLaughlin maybe played centre half at Aaron Barry. But yeah, I, I heard the same as you heard. I heard that Sean McLaughlin was excellent.
0: Okay, so I think we're both in agreement maybe about a, a away win. I think uh, I think Bowe's at home to Sligo is a, is a difficult game to call. Now, actually two sides I haven't seen in the flesh yet this season. and um, Trying to figure out what is the story with this Sligo over side. Yeah. Because it seemed like they played quite well in spells uh, against Waterford and then still got sucker punched at the end. Now, they've gone to Bray and they've won, but there's a fair few new players there, and yeah. they're, they're a sort of a difficult team to call, I think.
1: Yeah, and the, the positive is that Adam Morgan has come in and scored. Now, as you were saying before we came uh, on there, they
0: might be scruffy and might be a penalty in the last combined distance of like six yeah. yards apart but from in the right place. but he's there, he's yeah. scoring them.
1: I think Quaylen K- McAleer, not just because of his goals uh, in the last game, I think he, he was good for Finn Harps last year. I think he's a good acquisition for them. Um, but it, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I haven't seen them live yet. And as a result, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to make a, a fair judgment maybe on, on players that you haven't seen.
0: Yeah, I just wonder with Bose, is there a sense that, that they know they've had a bad couple of results and is there an element this week of, I know they want to go out and win the game, but is there an element of let's just avoid defeat, make themselves difficult to beat? Because that Sligo like team, they, with the exception of last night, I mean, they, they'd scored a couple of scrappy goals, but in general play, it didn't seem like they'd been creating stacks of chances maybe. Um, and I think Bose are capable of shutting them out I think on Friday, I'm maybe leaning, maybe leaning narrowly towards a home win. But yeah, I'm not. maybe. I, I mean,
1: both both have three one nil defeats on the bounce, and obviously yeah. the miss penalties uh, as well. Miss penalties. The concern will be will be goals. They relied so heavily on Dini Corcoran last season. Uh, maybe they need him to get going. Owen Stokes. Maybe you know I've seen him play off
0: the left. Maybe play yeah. up front as well. Uh, maybe just nail down a position. They played for him. Rob Banley. I think there last night as yeah. well. So. Again, it's, there is this element of teams finding their way. And with this run of games, they're not getting much time to work on stuff between matches. They haven't
1: conceded more than one goal in any game. And yeah. if you're doing that, and then obviously if you can get it right at the other end, you'll, you'll gain more points than you lose. But obviously the concern at the moment is they're not scoring goals.
0: So are you coming around to a, a home win there? Or are we going um, for a, a draw? No, do
1: you know, I, I think based on what Sligo have done, I mean, they've, they've been scoring goals. So yeah. if there's something in that for them and Bows aren't scoring a whole lot... I'll go for a draw there.
0: Draw. And finally, Dundalk-Waterford, which is the game I'm attending myself and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this Waterford side. Looking forward to seeing what Dundalk do because as you mentioned with back-to-back games with just one change, um, he has a huge squad, and I just wonder: are they going to mix things up a bit for this game on Friday? Any any sort of sense or, or idea yourself of what way he might go? Well, we've I mean we've seen big players sitting in the stand, not just not just get
1: not getting in the team, but not getting in the match day 18, and maybe just off the back of that. And as you said, there's a lot of games coming up, and another one after Friday. Then it's Monday. Uh, yeah, maybe he'll freshen it up a little bit. Um, you you could realistically sit down and put out a second under eleven. The squad is that deep, so m- maybe. He could take a player or two out, just give them, give them a little bit of time. I think defensively, I don't think anything will change. You can't change a team that no. has five clean sheets out of five. Um, I just thought last night at last night the Pats game, Michael Duffy, who I think had started the season so well, and I think another who will have a huge campaign, I think he, he found a little bit of room hard to come by, didn't really get possession. Um, down
0: the other side Dylan Connolly
1: same as I mean that's still
0: finding his way Dylan really is it's I I have a small bit of sympathy for him because actually I do too. he I do had, too. he had a bit more joy in getting into better positions last night than some other sort of players who are more highly regarded like Connolly did drift inside and get into some good positions but it's just that execution that that touch it's just not there it's just not happening for him and he's probably trying to force things a, a, a bit too now I, I'm not saying he gets a pass for his performances. I'm not saying he's been good for the dog. You can't say that. But I, I don't know. I felt, a bit, I felt, I felt a, a bit of sympathy for him in the past game. And I think maybe there's, yeah, there's a little bit of pressure
1: on him because we know Stephen likes Jamie McGrath. And Jamie McGrath, you know, he, he's, he's a really good player. He's a clever player. Not, he can play wide, but also play in a bit. where still Connolly is a winger? I think just the way the game went last night... He did make some good runs. Pats made that pitch look so small. I yeah. think in fairness, defensively, both teams made that pitch look so small. And if you're Dylan Connolly, I mean, you know, he, he, he's up against Ian Birmingham as well, who's quick. I think Dylan Connolly, you know, if that, if that pitch was 10 yards longer, you know, he, he might have had a little bit of joy. But maybe it's just those positions. And in the counter-attack as well, I think, again, the way Pats had set up, we spoke about it earlier. I think yeah. they were going to deny anything. So he had nothing really to run into. And he, to be fair, he didn't get a whole lot of quality service during the game either.
0: Was it, was like a, Waterford obviously lost down in Cork. They've, they've won every other match, effectively. Now, it is funny that every, the outcome after every Waterford game... I wouldn't say that the opponents have been hugely complimentary about them. I know Kenny Shields was doing his Kenny Shields thing. Um, but they, they might have nicked it a small bit in, in in Sligo when Alan Reynolds even said as much. They've obviously got a great winning habit without necessarily blowing people away in terms yeah. of their quality. And they, the reports from the game in Cork made it sound like it was a fair result that they were they were competitive but ultimately well well beaten. And I wonder, will they look, watch how some pats have played against on and try and just go there and be compact and try and limit space or do they take a more positive approach? I'm guessing it might be more the former yeah. in terms of a draw being a fantastic result and for And I him. think
1: they could do it as well. I mean, again, you're looking at this is, this is essentially a new team. So the start that they've made is all the more positive, I think, because of that. But if you look at a team that can have a midfield that includes Paul Keegan, Bastion Eri and Gavin Holohan, yeah. I mean, they're experienced players, especially Paul Keegan. I mean, he was part of that great oh, and d- he's
0: played over a, couple, he got ended, a
1: team that nearly made the Champions League and, not so long and ago and then
0: went on to play I think you know in three divisions in England for Doncaster yeah. and, and but they'll uh, know what you know.
1: to do they'll have a game plan going there and I know Alan Reynolds is, is well regarded as a coach Pat Fenland speaks speaks very highly of him as well they'll have a game plan going up there the um, question is, maybe, will, will Akinadi be back? I'm not quite so
0: sure. Mm. There was a few lads played last night who weren't meant to play,
1: uh, I think. There was, there, was a, there was a virus. <laughs> we're not
0: sure. Is this one of these... Uh, uh, it's, yeah, well, certainly the team sheet might have come as a slight surprise yeah. to Bowes if they, if they bought it. But look, they've got to be going up there, thinking, yeah, we
1: can go get a result here, definitely, yeah. with the start that we've made. I don't think they'll have any confidence issues going up there. Yeah,
0: I, I, I feel myself leaning towards it in Dark Wynn, but I think we're going to learn a lot about Waterford... Uh, this week I think as so you it's, said it's I
1: mean, I'll i be interested in the Dunox election to see to see what to that mix is mix things up
0: yeah. well okay I think we're basically running out of time I think we're going to again as ever we encourage people to send us a tweet on LOI Weekly um, Des thanks for standing in your, your your operation is coming on Friday is it so, Friday so yeah. there'll be no games for you this week no
1: I'll be in some sort of um I'd be under anesthesia or something. I'd imagine. I'd be dreaming maybe of uh, some games or something. Some that, games. That'll be about the size of it now. So w- when
0: are you back in the the box for air? Is it, what's the next game? It'll upcoming? be the I think it's Rovers bows in about bow's. three weeks. On is it three weeks? Something like that. Well, yeah. you'll be off. You'll be on, on the crutches. I'd say still. Oh, maybe. I know you can get off the crutches pretty early, but the, the I don't know. I mean, you <laughs> suggest you're a couple of years older than me, so maybe <laughs> so maybe actually you will struggle with that. And I, I was off them in three days, pal. It was no uh, problem. There you go. But there there I mean, go. I'm just thinking there would be some gantries in the league that you could be climbing up to where you. Could could actually be there could be an insurance issue with you even going there Tala'll Tala be okay
1: Tala'll Tala be okay Tala'll be okay and I think Daily Mount, we're, we're Daily Mount for both Cork then after
0: that I think as well Yeah, ah, that'll be grand too It'll be grand. Yeah, It'll be I'm, okay. light, I'm lighting my
1: feet my uh, good one anyway that's all right that's all good well
0: listen Des thanks for joining us pleasure and Dan pleasure. thank you to everybody for listening again subscribe on iTunes give us ratings reviews and Johnny will be back next week but well, I'm actually going to be in Turkey so I'll be uh, calling in and Johnny will be back in the seat. So, thanks for joining us again. Enjoy the games over the next week. Talk to you soon. But there are limits to
4: your life.